0: Got to witness to spread of knowledge.
1: This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments.
0: Governments should be afraid of their people.
1: Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America.
2: This is Steve
0: Dace.
1: Come on! and greetings happy thursday here on the steve day show podcast powered by crtv hosted by westwood one i am steve Day. todd and aaron are here with me as well thank you for hopping on board with us here today let us know what you think about what we think steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program you can like us on facebook follow us on twitter at Dace show last name is spelled d-e-a-c-e speaking of crtv gentlemen we just wrapped up production for today's crtv show let's give the audience a preview of what's coming up todd
0: well steve when you uh wrote uh one of your books you you said the impetus for the book came from you were thinking in the shower Mm -hmm. correct that was a nefarious so you have these these visions I'm sitting here listening to uh, our uh, congressional correspondent Nate Madden talk and I had a vision of reality uh, that came to me in the form of Zack Snyder's 300 movie It, it felt as perfect as any vision I've ever had and that's pretty terrifying
1: no you gave an excellent analogy and even Nate was like man I hate you that that's so spot on. But yeah, I thought you nailed it. I'd like to apologize. And if folks are are subscribers to CRTV, they'll get to see what Nate hates about Todd later today. Aaron.
2: Fake news or not, um, that was... That was something else, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It was something else.
1: I am... I... I don't know why anybody watches this stuff, man. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know why you would go home after working all day and turn that stuff on. I say that, though.
2: These people don't have jobs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got to admit, porn lawyer Michael Evanetti is going to be on Tucker Carlson tonight. Really? See, that I was kind of like, eh. I'm I'm tempted. I, I I am tempted to watch that in real time you know because Tucker's got that look he doesn't buy what you're selling him it's become its, its mouth own open. it's become yeah. its, its own little meme yeah like I'm tempted to take odds tonight over under on how far into this interview before before Tucker has that uh, that look on his face right I was going to put it at one minute 27 seconds into the interview. Before Tucker kind of gives him that that look, like what in the Sam
0: Hill are you talking Man, about? You're, you're feeling generous today. Oh, you think it's you think it's under? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, you're a little intrigued by that, aren't you? A little bit? No, I am. I am because b- both of those two are uh, uh, they give as good as they get. So I think that could be um, uh, fascinating. I mean, Evan Eddie just seems. The one thing I seem to I, I respect about him because there's just so many frauds, he just doesn't seem to care. I mean I, I yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm representing porn stars. Yeah, well, I mean what who it, this is how our justice system works. Everybody deserves a defense. Yeah, th- this is me. But he actually I I I actually remember him making some version of that assessment when somebody tried to rip on him. Um if if so if Michael Avanetti, you know how far we've sunk when Michael Avenetti, to me is kind of like a breath of fresh air. I mean, really, talking. You look at all the people you've debated, the people you've debated to the point where you're just so sick of how it goes that you've walked out. It's that fraudulent. I'm so demoralized right now. I can't even. Yeah, tell but myself. you can actually say you're, you. Are Thanks, you, Todd.
1: <laughs> do you agree that right now uh, half of our listeners are like well, you got a taste for your own medicine
0: days? Of all the people no, you I could debate, you probably like. Yeah, that might be. That might be worthwhile. My,
1: that well, I just said that. Yeah, you know what's interesting too is if I'm Cory Booker, Camilla Harris, See, that would not want. That would be this, awful. Is, this is a bad mood. Bad, this could be a very bad night for you because Evan can only win from this. He doesn't have to beat Tucker Carlson tonight. He needs one soundbite, like he he just needs one memorable punch. Like we could watch the whole thing in its entirety and the judges. You know, decided he lost uh, by, you know, yeah. he, as long as he's not knocked out, as long as Carlson Tucker does not pull his pants down, if he lands one shot tonight, the viral moment, yeah. the idea that he walked in to, the, to, to our lion's den with Tucker Carlson on Fox News.
0: Their base will lose. Yeah. There, you know what? Over that, especially since Tucker has made a smart uh, move of bringing in all of the progressive dweebs and just making fools of them. <laughs> so instantly, he's the only
1: ed- show he's there—he's their only primetime show that talks anything sembling, resembling worldview and cultural issues yeah. as well.
0: So Evan Eddy says, "Like, yeah, I know that's a stick, and so yeah, I know that I could be marginalized." The rest of their shows are Trump Tonight. <laughs> I could be marginalized, but just by going on there because they'll like link me like you're just the, the loser he brings in. But yeah, it's a, he's like, I, I don't care. I'm I'm bigger and better than if, this. He, if he
1: lands one, because if he lands it doesn't matter if there's if if there's five punches landed in that segment tonight and four of them are my Tucker Carlson, which would be a route, it doesn't matter if he gets one punch. See the other four punches that that he that landed on him will be viral in our community, their community will never see it. Right it's the con- remember when we talked about American Sniper. And how how progressive america could not believe how big of a hit that movie was. Because they forgot there's another america. There's two separate americas. We're doing the same thing with the Nike Colin Kaepernick thing right now. Nike now has its highest stock price ever to go along with its best month of digital sales ever.
0: That well that's going to come I mean that's kind of the flip side of it going down. I mean that that's also not going to be reality, you, perpetually. I don't know what
1: I don't know because I don't live in that America.
0: But I'm, I, I'm not their target demo. I, I concede your point. It wasn't yeah. like oh Nike's going to go under and we're all going like, to be like.
1: Like somebody said to me today, how do you make money insulting half your customers? They didn't insult half their customers. We're not customers. they we're not. If we were, they wouldn't have had their greatest month of digital sales ever, and their stock price wouldn't be the highest it's ever at. We're not their customers. The average Fox News viewer is 68 years old and white. That's not their base. More of their base likes Jamel Hill than Donald Trump. And that's why that message plays. And if they if they did the exact same ad campaign and just flipped comp, all the words are the same and just flipped Colin Kaepernick for Tim Tebow, you know what? I think the same thing would happen. They would still have their best month of digital sales ever, and their stock price would still be the highest it's ever been. The money just would have come from the other America. That's all. That's all. Those of us on the right who thought they were killing themselves with this made the same mistake. Those on the left who thought American Sniper was hokey, jingoistic, and had no audience. You don't live in that America. You don't live in the... Amer- it sold out. No one went to see that movie in, in Oakland. Like, no one. Like, and if you went, you went like at 3 a.m. in a freaking raincoat, okay? Every theater in Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, all sold out. That was the target demo. So Nike decided their target demo is who likes Jamel Hill. So they ran a commercial to get that audience. If their target demo was pastors in Alabama ripping their shoes up, they would have run the... With Tim Tebow. That's all. There's two Americas out there. There is no insulting a majority of Americans anymore. Because there's not a majority of Americans anymore. There's not even America anymore. There are two different countries here. That rarely interact. That don't want to interact. And are balkanized from, from with, with one another. That's what we have. So... Nike, Nike is a treasure of the progressive America, not the Americana America. I'm trying to... What the hell were we just talking about that got me on that Colossians. Tangent? No, before we got there. <laughs> we're going to get to Colossians because we need to. What were we talking about, Todd, you and me, before I went... I brought up the Nike analogy. Do you Look, even remember?
0: Um, no. What were
2: we talking Tucker Carlson. Yeah,
1: yeah. Evanette. looks yeah. so so. If if there's <laughs> Avenetti, yes. yes. If there's if there's five punches landed tonight, and four of them by my Tucker Carlson, their base won't see the other four. Like Rachel Maddow's not doing a segment tonight, guys. Michael Evanette has got his ass kicked on Fox. She's not going to do that. If he lands one punch, she's going to run that clip, right? Yeah, that's who she's going to run. So the fact that he's a the fact that we're laughing at him in our in our in our America right. will never reach over there. It, it's, it doesn't matter that they're not they're not in our America. So all he's got to do his expectations tonight are so low. You, you can lose, just don't get your pants pulled down and land one punch. If he lands one punch, yep. he gets a viral moment and he can sell that to their base, and that is something. That's something their base desperately wants more than Cory Booker's fake tears. I can promise you that. Speaking of Cory Booker. If you know Ben Sass and you are his friend, and I, I mean this sincerely. Go to him right now. And say, are you prepared to be the Republican Cory Booker? Because you are at that fork in the road right now. No legislation on free speech on college campuses. By the way, what was Ben Sass before he ran for Senate? Do you remember? A professor. College professor. Yeah. Nothing Nothing on defending the religious liberty of his constituents. Balanced budgets. Healthcare reform. Free market health care reforms. Nothing. We've heard nothing from him on these things for two years, basically. And today he files legislation on forcing polit- politicians to release their tax returns
2: boy that's really exciting that's
1: I, by the way I, I have no problem with that legislation I you know this is a little yeah. bit though like you're bleeding out you ask someone to call 911. And they come back with a cup of water. It's not a and little they said, bit like that. We it's noticed you're, exactly we noticed you're like kind that. of thirsty. And you're like, well, I am really thirsty right now because I'm losing a lot of fluids because you didn't call 911! So please, if you don't mind, <laughs> stop him from hurting himself. And it may already be too late. John Kasich called. And said, you cannot take this ground from me. I'm an actual progressive. I'm more shameless than you. And I will go even lower than you. All you're doing is effing yourself. Thank you. Now, more than ever, do we need to continue this Bible study? holy
0: moses i like our lead-ins to this bible study in the last couple of weeks we might be taking that whole parable of the guy who goes
1: to the temple and beats his fist against his chest a little too far <laughs> before i lift you up let me
0: bring you down yes. it's
1: like the guy does say lord i'm a great sinner then he proceeds he doesn't necessarily proceed to go ahead and recite all of his sins <laughs> let me make an account we need a list And it is long and indistinguished. Um, Here on Theology Thursday, we started something new a few weeks ago. We're doing our very first Bible study of Colossians. If you're new, here's a couple ground rules. If you have any questions or disagreements, you can have criticisms as well. Because we are doing this. We are not using any sermon notes. No footnotes. We want to go straight from God's word and then sit here. Come now. Reason together in real time on the podcast. Not what we think this means to us, because nobody should care. And no one cares what it should mean to you. Except we're wondering, what does it actually mean? Period. What does this actually mean? And what, if anything, could we hermeneutically apply to the day and times in which we live now so if you do have questions or criticisms um because we are not great theologians we're just learned laymen who love god's word but none of us here you know um have a seminary degree so uh send them to us but we're gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna address them until after we're done through the book otherwise we kind of we think one of two things may happen one by the time we end the book we might when the full context of what this book teaches mm-hmm. is, is realized, we may have answered your question or criticism. Or two, we wanna we wanna get through everything before we go back and address some of that stuff. That okay? being
0: said, I'm interested in a couple things now that we've done a full chapter and like I think what three of these mm-hmm. episodes. A is the volume of material you're getting in the way of letters, responses, questions, queries, criticisms, is it more or less than you thought? And B, are you have you actually read what we've gotten or are you even wait, so you've read it You yeah, I, I,
1: I do read them and I put them I thought you might just
0: be putting them away I have a to file in my
1: email a Colossians file I, I have been pleasantly surprised and now I'm going to jinx it there have not been um, and when I say the theology police I don't mean you have pointed out something we're legitimately wrong about alright mm-hmm. I mean you know hey you didn't ponder your lint in your navel at the 47 degrees Celsius angle that I do. That's what I mean by the, you know, theology police. We haven't gotten almost any of those. We Have gotten. Have I co- been
0: a papist heretic yet? Not yet. Not yet? Not okay. yet.
1: i the, the night is young. The night is young, yes. <laughs> what time is it in Rome right now? <laughs> um, we we have gotten a couple of questions. We have gotten a lot of reaction to this, and, and 90% of it has been, thank you for doing this. I've, I've wanted someone to do this for a long time. Thank you. That's been over 90% of the Wonderful. feedback we've got so far. So we begin Colossians chapter two. Paul writes, for I want you to know how great a struggle. I- oh, by the way, for those of you that are new to this, we use the ESV version. All right. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. I think we need to stop right there for a second because a location is mentioned here by Paul. Laodicea. Um, this, this location will be mentioned later, right? Laodicea is in, is a church that was established in a place called Asia Minor. Asia Minor is present day what?
0: Turkey. Turkey.
1: Turkey is now known as a country of a flourishing Christian community. No. Uh, no. Just a bit outside. Just a bit outside, yeah. It's a Muslim country, uh, and it's run by a guy who wants to essentially be the caliphate in a Brooks Brothers suit, right? So this is an ancient um, enclave of Christianity that he's referring to. In the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible, it begins with seven letters that Christ writes to churches in a, in this same place, Asia Minor one of the churches that Christ will later mention through the Apostle John. So we don't have our notes with us, so I'm doing this from memory. So correct me, guys, if I'm wrong. We think Colossians was written around 55 A.D., somewhere around there. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. Okay. Now, the big debate in Christendom is when was Revelation written?
2: All right.
1: Was Revelation written around 65 A.D.?
2: Could be as late as 90. Or was it
1: written late as 90 AD? This is a massive debate and it matters. Here's why. Because if it was written in around 65 AD, then what's called the preterist argument. And preterism is a theological notion that um, a lot of future prophecy in the New Testament was all, what we think is future prophecy, was already fulfilled. And that you can take a lot of of the Apostle John's letter and references to seven hills and think that he's that this was fulfilled in the time of Nero, and John was writing to the Christians uh, with with Christ's prophetic word to the Christians of that time. Okay? And, and preterism isn't, is not a monolith like almost any thought in Christianity. There's partial preterism, full preterism. Okay. If it was written in 90 AD, well, Nero's long gone and everything else. So John's obviously not writing about events that happened in 70 AD. Like he, w- like he might have been if he wrote the book in 65 or 60 AD. He might have been writing about the great persecution of 70 AD. Which if you were a Christian alive at that time, it certainly seemed like the end of days to you. If it was written in 90 AD, which more modern scholars today believe, now for a long time the church believed it was actually was written in the earlier date, Now, more modern scholars believe it was written around 90 A.D. If you believe it was written around 90 A.D., then you're far more likely to believe what we call premillennial or dispensationalism. And that, for those of you, that's that's the Christian end times eschatology or end times beliefs most Americans, regardless of their religious persuasion, are familiar with because it's been popularized in books and movies, right? There's a rapture of the church. Christians go to heaven to be essentially... Um, rescued from the tribulation and the final judgment to come. The Antichrist arises, seven-year seven year covenant with Israel uh, in order to fool them into essentially giving up their birthright and joining his, you know, worldly cult. Right? We, we, these are things that are very familiar in American pop culture because they've been influenced by this belief. But here's why this matters in the context of Colossians. Paul right now, anywhere from five to 35 years or so, depending on when we think John wrote, the apostle John wrote Revelation, is writing about a church. Here's what he says, for I want you to know how great I struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. And we learned in chapter one, when Paul says he's struggling, what he means is I am persevering. I'm, I am, I'm undergoing persecution. I'm giving up the things of this world in order to advance the Christian faith. That's what Paul means by struggling. And so right here in the very beginning of chapter 2, Paul is telling us the church of Laodicea is worth his struggling. He's not even met these people face to face. But the faith that he has seen in them is worthy of him struggling. Well, what do we learn about the church of Laodicea? Years a few years later, when John writes about them, it's not. It's not worthy. It's not. Instead, in fact, one of the eschatological teachings of the Book of Revelation in Christianity is that each of the churches represent a certain, a different time in the church age as well. That there's a metaphorical meaning there, and the Laodicean church represents the time where the church falls away, the great apostasy before the end of days. Let's go ahead for the sake of this conversation, because we're having primarily a, a cultural application conversation than an end times one right now. For the sake of that, let's, let's all just agree that John wrote Revelation in 90 AD, which is a Catholic Todd's because he has more of an millennial view. You're probably going to disagree with that. All right. But let's set aside that debate for now. Let's just assume we'll have that that debate if we ever do a revelation study, which I will do when I just hate myself. When
2: Christ comes back. Yes. When I
1: hate myself so much, I just want to get all your emails about that. Okay. So set that aside. Let's, for the sake of this conversation today, we're just going to assume John wrote Revelation in 90 AD. So Paul writes this book of Colossians 50, 55, somewhere in there AD. In only 30 years. And keep in mind, this is this is an era before social media, 24-hour news cycles, right? Events did not unfold as swiftly in this time in human history to these people, the way they seem to to us, right? In only 30 years, less less than half a lifetime, the people of Laodicea go from a church Paul believes is worth struggling for suffering for. People he hasn't even met face-to-face. Because folks, if he didn't meet him face-to-face, you know what that means? He didn't establish this church. That's what it means. Because that, why did Paul go on all these missionary journeys? What was he doing? Planting churches. So it means he didn't plant this church at Laodicea. He never met them face-to-face. He's heard about how great a testimony of their faith is that it's worth worthy of him to suffer and struggle for the people there. And in just a few decades, so the people born around the time Paul writes this in Laodicea, born to the Christians in Laodicea about this time are going to be a little bit older than Aaron, about 30 years old. And Jesus is going to say to John, the apostle John, <laughs> If those people don't come correct, man, I'm I'm shutting the lamp. I'm shutting the light off. I mean, hey, that's a bad church right there. They have they are on my last Jesus says to the apostle John, those people in Laodicea are on my last nerve right now. This is this is your final warning, guys. What do you think that says to us today about how fast fast the faith of a people can devolve. And they don't have all the temptations that we have on their phones and their iPads. They're not being constantly confronted with partisan negative entertainment to help you to encourage you to hate the other. They don't have fast food and obesity epidemics. They're wondering they want to make sure Do we have three meals today. They have think of the things at our fingertips today. That keep us away from God that are abundant and almost none of them are available to the people of Laodicea in the first century and still in not even one generation essentially the time it takes for a child to be born grow become an adult and enter in the early part of his adulthood they were already falling away. Todd, what do you think that says to us today?
0: I think you just made the most compelling argument, modern argument ever. Uh, we use it as a punchline. Oftentimes it's been made into a, a commercial, but the importance now more than ever of going off the grid, uh, and the grid, I, I, one of, I use all the time. Progressivism is cancer. Uh, we are swimming, Breathing, drinking in a cancerous environment that is not, not only not of the gospel, but is antithetical uh, to the gospel. And therefore, our lives now, uh, our eternal lives, uh, are very likely forfeit if mm-hmm. we do not recognize that fact. We, we we must be wise as serpents these days and we right now our culture I, I mean one of the great gifts of your popularity and it's great to have the freedom uh, uh, over time Steve and that's it's great to have the freedom to do it is you, how you tie in a conversation like this to pop culture and I got done earlier talking about a movie but right I mean really we are we are Indiana Jones when he falls into that pit of snakes. We're just surrounded yet we we yet we have it's a mirage that's the reality but we we look out there and we we see the, the like the basically equivalent of the 70 virgins we you know we just go on with our lives we live in a gated community we have all these comforts but we are an entirely slothful and prideful people even though we are just surrounded by demons surrounded so what you just did is importantly remind everybody do what you can to live off the grid because if you don't, you are you are Laudia Sia.
1: Yeah, I don't know how if you watched cable news all day, and I don't care which network it is, I don't know how you could come out of there not hating everybody that disagrees with you. That makes that whole love your neighbor as you love yourself thing really hard. And that doesn't mean Change what you believe to get along with people. That is not what that believe. That, that's that is not what that means. Um, but it means remembering that Jesus died for people, not for a philosophy. Uh, Jesus died for his church, not for a culture. Jesus died for transformation, not homogenization. What do you think, Aaron?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's um uh, regarding what uh what Todd said, it is I mean, I think each one of us have to make uh, a point of trying to unplug every single day, uh, at least in some in some ways, and it is <laughs> It is. It is interesting. You know, I will. I will unplug or just get away from Twitter for a while, and then I'll check it again. I'm like, oh wow, I actually missed some stuff, and I'm still alive. I mean, that's. I <laughs> mean, that's part of the part of It, it is. I mean, technology um, is is an integral part of our lives, and there's no getting around that. But it doesn't have to be. Um, it doesn't have to be um, a, a part of our our being if that makes sense. Um, And it is, I've seen this personally, as far as people falling away from the faith quickly. I I think each one of us have seen examples of that personally, just how fast it happens. You see somebody who looks like they're on fire for uh, the gospel and, and um, are making efforts to slay sin in their lives. And then all of a sudden what happened to this person? They're not showing up, um, you know, in places where they used to or they're avoiding you or, you know, things like that. I mean, that's you and I, really, um, if we're not, if we don't guard ourselves. I think all of us have been through times where we're um, not in the word as much as we should be, uh, when we're not really there um, mentally when we should be um, in, in regards to spiritual things. And so we all, and, and it's it's so, it's, that's no different throughout any part of history. But when we have such a, to, a short attention spans as we do in the West nowadays, um, that makes it even more, that makes us even more susceptible to falling away so quickly. And,
0: and as Christians, look, we are as guilty as anybody else these days of being anesthetized, like I said, uh, to, to avoiding struggle. And mm-hmm. we raise our kids accordingly to, to, to not help them to learn how to struggle and look what the I'm going to normally you do the reading but look Steve what we are cheating our children of when we help them to avoid struggle we are cheating of them here their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to Mm -hmm. reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery we, uh,
1: well, those which are the next is Christ. Paul says the, yes. the result of the struggle yes. is what you just described. Yes. In
0: whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We cheat ourselves and our children of that. Dear God, that's insane. What do you think the word
1: all means? Does think, it mean all? I I, I don't know. Does it, does it mean some? Most? A little bit? Or does it mean all? Because I kind of think it means all. But what, it, what all the treasures of wisdom of, and knowledge of what? Of why the world is the way it is. Why you and I are the way we are and what can be done about it. Which are the three questions we need answered more than anything else. Because from there is the genesis of our, is the foundation of our worldview and from there we find purpose and meaning in our lives. And here I think Paul is saying people in this world it is it is not unique to Christianity to struggle for wisdom and knowledge. You know, I mean the show kung fu when we were kids, he walked the earth in the struggle for wisdom and knowledge okay but which wisdom and knowledge the most important wisdom and knowledge who made you why you were made and the purpose of your making what 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 more what 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 more important knowledge to acquire is there than that and the only worldview that can adequately answer those questions is the biblical one but the biblical one doesn't make sense unless you understand God's mystery which Paul says is who? Christ because otherwise if you don't understand Christ you're going to think God left us behind God never sent us our, deli- our, our Messiah how can I measure up to these standards to this law God gave me I can't measure up to this where do I go to make sacrifices? If I start, if I start making animal sacrifices, they'll arrest me. What, none of this would make, none of it makes any sense, really. There's gaping holes unless you see the mystery of Christ. That he would be, the answer isn't how or when or where, it's who. He's the answer. The way, the truth, and the life. And that's what Paul's talking about. And then he goes on to say, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments.
0: Meaning... Did he really say, Steve? Is this where we're going?
1: Yeah. Meaning, other worldviews will attempt to answer these fundamental questions of existence. And they will attempt to answer them in the way you want them to be answered the way your sinful self wants them answered, that it's really about what you want. There's a secret out there where you'll get all your wishes and, and, and desires fulfilled, says Oprah and Tolle. The answers to these questions are found in the fact that the world is divided between kufr and believer. And if we just killed those infidels, those kufrs, those unbelievers... Allah's kingdom would be homogenous and the world would be harmonious that well you know we've got 60,000 gods and cows and all kinds of other things but maybe there's some gods out there the Hindus say we haven't discovered yet so let's throw some more shrimp on the barbie the Disney answer believe in yourself the answer is in you The answer is in government. Let the state guide our way. And these things will all seem very plausible because they will fulfill your fleshly desires. And by the way, your fleshy desires are not always bad. It is not bad to, desi- to, to, to want to see your sexual attraction in a member of the opposite sex fulfilled. That's how we perpetuate the species. It's not, that's not inherently bad. It's not inherently bad to want significance. The question is how and and with whom do we go about fulfilling those desires? And these arguments seem... See, these arguments are stupid. They're dumb. We debunk them on our show all the time. Why do they seem plausible, though? Because you want to believe them. Seems plausible to me that I really am great. Seems plausible. Seems plausible to me that I really ought to be able to have sex whoever I want. Seems plausible to me. I kind of like that idea. What you want is what seems plausible to you. It's plausible because you want it. Living your truth, baby. No doubt, I'm standing for my truth right now. It's plausible to me. Trump Trump does nothing wrong, and he's just a victim. And if CNN went off the air, his approval rating would go up ten points. Even though they have, um, even though yesterday I told you CNN has their lowest viewers of all time, which is true. If they went off the air, his approval rating. So the approval rating of a network that no one watches went off the air. His ratings would go up. Does that make any sense to you? Yesterday, somebody when I talked about this, why we are some of our some of our peers having are having this curious desire to resurrect Ken Starr. He's like everywhere right now. I'm like, wasn't this the guy that just presided over the hunting ground at Baylor? And some guy right away, you don't know what happened at Baylor. Don't go by what you read in the fake news. I'm like, okay, you're right. You know, I wasn't there to witness any of the alleged rapings. So then the alternative explanation is Baylor blew up a cash cow football program, fired the coach and the entire athletic administration to pay millions of dollars of buyouts over fake allegations. Would that be a comforting narrative to you as
0: a Baylor alum or fan, Todd? Uh, Not to me, but apparently it is to others.
1: It's kind of like when people said to me a couple of years ago, the allegations against Bill O'Reilly are false and Fox News is the only media outlet I believe. Okay. So Fox News fired the host of their most highest rated show ever. It still is. Nobody currently on Fox has viewership that O'Reilly had at his Zenith. So, Fox fired their number one talent for what you believe are false allegations, and yet they're still the only news outlet that you believe. How are both those things true, Todd? Do you know? As long as it's better than Hillary, I'm good. You know know what? Because it seems plausible to you. Because it's what you want to be true. I'll have people arguing with me from the left, up and down. We had this kind of economic growth under Obama. You guys have seen me do this. I've literally sent the charts from the government. Which is their religion, so it's coming these are dispatches from their church, the church of state. We had four fiscal quarters out of 32 under Obama that had economic growth above three percent. I'll send in the gra- they, it, it doesn't matter. They don't want to believe it. It's plausible to me to believe that the guy I voted for is better than the guy you voted for and never did anything wrong.
0: That seems plausible to me and it's remarkable this is being when when he when this is being written this is being written to an uneducated illiterate yes. people now you are describing the most educated and literate yep. time in all of human and yes. now just by the amount of time you spent yep. in something called schooling or an education no no question about that yeah
1: but but you know what there's another there's an i word out there that will trump your intelligence in any age. Do you know what it is? I got some idolatry. Thinking of, uh, yeah, idolatry.
0: I was thinking of idiot, but that's pretty much yeah, same thing. What
1: Paul is saying to the people of the first century is the same thing he's saying to the people of the twenty first century. Let me put it let me put it this way. Paul says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with arguments that seem plausible to you because they affirm your idols your preferences, your desires, your wants, you. Paul says a few sentences ago, I'm giving up what my flesh, what what my desires are for you. I'm suffering for you. But you could be deceived by what seems plausible to you because you want it to be about you. I was listening to Oprah talk several years ago about why she's no longer a Christian. And she said she was sitting in a, in a black Baptist church in her 20s, or when she was, sometime when she was a young woman, and the pastor was giving a sermon through the Old Testament and talked about God being a jealous God. And Oprah said, why would God be jealous of me? And why would I want to worship a God who's jealous of me? I'm just a chick named Oprah. So in some respects, the irony here is she admitted she was not worthy of being worshipped before she rejected the one who was worthy of being worshipped and then she went out and started one of the biggest cults of of celebrity in world history where she is worshipped by millions of people every day but see she 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 needed to understand that you gotta make sure you get your prepositions right the bible does not say god is jealous of you god is jealous for you you don't have anything God needs or wants except one thing. Your love. And your faithfulness. You don't have any accomplishments, gifts, skills, achievements. Dude does that and cosmos occurs. Okay? The only thing you have, he wants, is a relationship with you. That's it. He's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. He does not want to share you with the things of this world that will ultimately destroy you in this life or the next. But you prefer those things because, as Paul says, they seem plausible to you. They delude you because you want to be deluded. We want to be deluded. We are not tempted by the... You aren't going to delude me into smoking crack. Why? I don't have any interest in that. Some of you, though, your flesh desires that. You can be deluded into that. I can be deluded into other sins because that's what I want. I'm not going to be deluded into things I don't want. I'm going to be deluded in the things that I do. Cuz then the the brain starts going, well, you know, maybe that kind of seems plausible. I think I can rationalize it. I think it's okay. I think we're cool here. I think we're good. That's what Paul's warning us about. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see you, see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Meaning you will stand while others fall. You will stand while the prevailing winds of this age howl. You will hold firm. The church in Laodicea that Paul loved didn't hold firm. And now they're a metaphor. And not a good one. Like the bad kind of sports metaphor. Like I know it seems weird now to people Aaron's age, but it wasn't too long ago, Todd, that Clemsoning was was a was a word in sports, right? It was known for
0: choking. They were their own verb. They were. I just heard this on the radio last week. Uh, somebody talking about this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you went back seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, Clemsoning was a word commonly used. Now it's not. Some of you are old enough to remember where the Red Sox were never going to win a World Series. The Cubs were never going to win a World Series. So even when an, an organization has lost its cornerstone and lost its way, revival is still possible if they seek after it. If not, then you're Laodicea And Jesus will come to you. And he will take away your lights your lampstand. I don't know anything about this church in Alabama where the pastor was ripping up a pair of Nikes. But I wonder if he's been if if he would be willing to show that level of demonstration of zeal about the things that are actually deluding his congregation right now that seem plausible to them. Final thoughts, Todd and Aaron.
0: Aaron?
2: Um, no, I think we've studied those verses um pretty pretty well I mean the, the one thing to underscore is um, plausible um, you know vain philosophies plausible argument are again under this is already covered there's not much more we can talk about since we've spent enough time on you know two or three verses but the, the main thing to underscore is um, we want what we want to be true, because of the oldest lie in the book or the oldest temptation in the book, uh ye be like God hmm. uh we want things to be um the way we want them to be because we want to be like God and we want to create <clears throat> dare I say stand in our own truth um we all we all of us i don't care who you are um I don't care um how much you read your Bible or how much you pray even though those things are great it's, you know if they're done for the right reasons with the right motivations um you're you're always going to struggle with that always going to want things to be your way and want your truth to be what's actually true because every time that we sin every time that we stumble we're saying that my truth we're, you're standing in your truth um that's that's the one thing I think that has to be underscored in our, this conversation today.
0: Aaron, I appreciate your going first. When I pitched it uh, to you, I had a, a thought formulating and I just wanted to follow it out. But uh, e- even uh, uh, many Christians who I would call um, so, uh, traditional, conservative, orthodox have f- fallen into what I think is a, a, a trap of... Of saying, you know, if it wasn't for all of this religion getting in the way uh, of the gospel, uh, I think what we've talked about today uh, shows the folly of that. Because when Paul says, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith, th- that th- Paul is not a man to throw that to is we just got done talking about whatever your truth is whatever is plausible scripture comments on scripture and if you follow this through there is no there's no ambiguity about what good order is there's no ambiguity about what firmness is and that's what Religion is, and it's why when we talk about, and we just Steve, you you pitched this to me uh, last week, reminding what I uh, often say. But uh, when when uh, Adams talks about uh, uh, that, uh, this the Constitution is made for a this country for a moral and religious people, and for no other. That's what this is talking about: good order, firmness, something that is sustainable. So you do not become like Laodicea and guess who has become exactly like that the country that is represented by the red white and blue we are looking in the mirror here so either we return to religion undefiled or we suffer this fate it's not any more complicated than that it is not ambiguous in any way shape or form
1: Well, thank you for tuning in here today on the Steve Day Show podcast on Westwood One. Uh, If you have time, please click like or subscribe. They're on iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a a positive review. If you do like us, if you don't, don't lie. But if you do like us, leave us a positive review. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to do either one or both of those gestures. Many of you have already done both. Thank you to you. We are back at it again tomorrow with some feedback Friday. Until then, John
0: 317. This is Steve Day.